This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 192 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. We probably have one of our most booked lists of the year so far as we creep up to that episode 200. Uh, this is a week of leaks, reveals, uh, teased reveals, news on important franchises. So we're going to have a, a pretty lengthy episode, I, I'd imagine, this time around. Um, but before that, we have a new addition to our show. Now, we always do a, a little flick a buck jingle here, but what if I told you we took it a step further? What, what if I told you that last week when we were talking about getting the legitimate jingle, it actually happened within that course of time as Carrick was freezing in sub-zero weather? Well, if you guys would like to support the Patreon, you can go ahead and, uh, hold on. Flick a buck. It's probably so awkward on Carrick's end because it's just dead silence for him. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> if you would like to flick a buck, I mean, the jingle, I mean, look, look where your money's going. The show just yeah. got instantly way better. That's the best part it's of the high, show. It's highfalutin. I'm going to show up in a fucking top hat and a cane. <laughs> and be, pip, 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 gentlemen. And so uh, if you'd like to support the show, you get early access to this wonderful podcast on top of that Patreon exclusive videos, Discord access. Um, I'm actually considering doing a bit of a change and. I've seen a lot of Patreons do this, is adding like a producer section, so to say. So for some of the higher tier patrons, you, you list them kind of in a credit section at the end of videos because they're what makes content really happen. Um, so I was thinking about adding that. So I'm going to look for some feedback in the Discord and as well as from you guys who are coming in. Uh, but anyway, if you'd like to support myself or Carrick, both of our Patreons are down below. Please do check them out and give us both some love, keep the lights on and all that stuff. Anyway... Now with that all out of the way, like I said to Carrick when we got the jingle, I was like, man, the, the best part of the show happens right away. We're, we're at a losing start every time now. <laughs> but yeah, no shit. I digress. We will now start off with what I find the most exciting, uh, Borderlands 3. It seems that a reveal for that is finally happening, long overdue. Um, there is a PAX East panel happening on March 28th from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and they pretty much say that the developers and publishers behind Borderlands are going to be there for never-before-seen reveals, exclusives, and surprises, so be sure not to miss it. Furthermore, there was uh, about last night, or two nights ago, sorry, there was a leaked trophy list for, or not the entire list, but rather the the existence of a list in someone's profile, um... For uh, Borderlands, I almost said Resident Evil, Borderlands 1 Remastered, uh, under the name of Borderlands Game of the Year Edition, which I find awfully strange in 2019 that that's how they're going to re-release the game, but uh, it had 81 trophies, so it seems it's going to include all the DLC, which we'd expect. I imagine there's going to be some quality of life changes. One of the big complaints from the Borderlands community is that Borderlands 1 is great. Uh, it's a good nostalgia trip, but it really needs an FOV slider. So that's something I personally hope to see as well. When I was getting gameplay for my video, it, I was like, holy crap, man. I'm, I feel like I'm in the gun right now. But outside of that, Carrick, I want to hear from you. Does this news catch you off guard? Uh, when do you think we're getting to Borderlands 3? Do you even think this panel will hold the Borderlands 3? Because it's not necessarily a guarantee, guarantee more than an assumption. 
That would be funny. <laughs> People just, just Borderlands One. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, we're gonna talk about the remaster and everything, or the remake and what everybody thinks of it. No, I would assume at at some point. I mean, mm. everybody's been chomping for it, and they're not like Valve, where they're gonna wait around for Half Life Three until everybody's dead. Like it, it makes sense to me. It's a good shooter. It fits now too. They can do some really pretty does. crazy stuff in Borderlands. It fits at the current time frame really well, I think, to do a Borderlands Three. Maybe change it up a bit. Yeah, that's the thing is that the landscape's changed so much. When you really look at it, obviously there's been so many loot-focused games way before, we'll say, Destiny. But the looter-shooter genre, so to say, has really propelled itself to a new level. We got Anthem, Destiny, Division. Yeah. We had Borderlands, which I think was sort of a pioneer to people loving just collecting new weapons. Uh, But they had really good characters, and I think you saw a lot of games take inspiration from that. My thing is... That's what made Borderlands unique. Now, it's been seven years, I think, or or eight, maybe. No, seven. It was 2012. Since we've seen Borderlands 2, a lot has changed since then. Does their formula still hold up well? Um, and obviously, there was the pre-sequel. There was, um, what was it, the, the Telltale game? I forget the name of it right now. Yeah, it, it is called the pre-sequel. Okay. Yeah. You're so- talking about the, yeah, that came out, like, three years ago? Four years ago? Yeah, there was one that yeah. was like a spinoff that was a prequel, and then there was the Telltale-styled game as well. So there were things happening with Borderlands in between, but it was like almost Kingdom Hearts 3 where they were just adding little things to the narrative, mm-hmm. to the universe, but not the, the big number three. It's something with the number three in gaming, I swear to God. But what what are you expecting personally at this panel if we see a borderlands 3 reveal just a trailer maybe a, a release date more at e3 yeah i would be surprised i mean i don't know people hold things pretty quietly now but usually we know about stuff prior if they're doing a big event there i'm assuming what would they be talking about though if they're going to do an event there um yeah probably next at e3 i would assume right it makes more sense for them to say okay we're gonna do this and we're gonna talk about this then at e3 you're gonna see like footage maybe Mm -hmm. but it does also make me feel that borderlands really just is missing the boat if it's gonna people are gonna be mad but at some point you have to look at you know especially for a shooter especially a game that looks like that you are gonna have to look for the possibility of a multiplayer component that is beyond what we see what we've seen which is like a battle royale thing. I'm not uh-huh. lying. Like I just, I really do feel. I mean, Borderlands, like everybody fighting for land. Like there, there could be some crazy stuff with all of their customization. Mm-hmm. Like I honestly do believe that. I just firmly believe that a lot of these companies releasing games are looking at battle royale right now, and mm-hmm. it feels like Borderlands for some reason fits it better than some of the ones that, other ones that we know of, hmm. have looked. I mean, Call of Duty did it. And I, I'm going to be honest, I did not think that Call of Duty would fit in Battle Royale. And it worked out. Yeah. So, I'd say, though, I, I personally feel Blackout's really the weakest of the... I do, too, but I... It, but it, it works. You mean of the Battle Royales? Yeah, of the Battle Royales. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Because I think, like, Apex right now... And I'm not just saying because Apex is the wave. I mean, I like Fortnite. I was an advocate for it when it came out. No, Apex is but good. I think Apex. <laughs> I think Apex is, like, the top yeah. of the pack, personally. I think it's just the most yeah. fun to play... I still play it most nights. It's it's a really good time. Um, yeah. I, I feel like... See, I feel there's so many places they could go within their, their own 
safe area, so to say. And not that they shouldn't explore and gotcha. experiment. But I feel like, for example, it's always been about the guns. What if Borderlands introduced a similar system but with armor? Because we saw relics, shields, those types of mm-hmm. things. But what if they started adding an armor system to Borderlands and now that's all loot-focused? Um, I think that what we saw from Borderlands 1 to 2, as someone who's played both games uh, an absurd amount, is that 2 added just a ton of more systems in place to make loot more compelling. And I think 3 could do that again if, you know... They added not just skins to vehicles, but new weapons to attach to the vehicles. If they added not just skins for the players, but new abilities, more skill trees, like I said, the armor stuff, um, not just the golden keys, but evolving that into something that's not just like keeping you locked into social media um, to, to access really unique loot. Uh, more fun mini games, like they had the slot machine in Borderlands 2, which... Yeah, that was the beginning, <laughs> beginning of the end, wasn't it? <laughs> you just go in there and waste all your time. At least I do it, my friends. Um, but it was such a good time. I think that sometimes the go here, kill four of these quests, they worked in Borderlands back then. I don't think they work as much now. So I right. think they need more moment-to-moment action, which, once again, I don't think the addition of more multiplayer elements helps fixes that. I think that's, once again, they can make a true co-op experience, a true four-player co-op experience, or expand that. Like I said, we, we see, I think, seven or seven or six characters that you can play as now in Borderlands 2, and we're used to seeing, like, the first four being revealed, but imagine they, like, say, we got characters from Battleborn, we got characters for like, Tiny Tina you can play as, like, they announce, like, 12 playable characters. Like, I think there's so much room in Borderlands now with technology and where it's at, where they can really expand their formula and make, like, a a really incredibly good co-op experience rather than just chasing trends now. The game's been in the oven for so long, and I'm sure ideas have been cooked up for so long that um, it's more, you know, like, how, how many trends did they catch on to while yeah, they were right, in the midst of development, exactly. right? Yeah, that's, that's what's so hard to gauge about these games. You're like, where, where did things get stopped? Um, where did things pick up? So, for me personally, that's where I, I sit. I'd like to see them evolve more of the cooperative mechanics and loot. Yeah, so would I. I just feel like everything's Battle Royale now. Yeah. Because like I would like to see him do it's it. Like but open it's like open world. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, exactly. Except like, at least a battle royale. It started as one thing and it stayed as one thing. Because the reason I say that is RPGs. Like remember how you just said like everything's battle royale. Everything is an RPG in single player. RPG elements, RPG skills, RPG this. Right. I mean, you look at a traditional RPG, what it started off as versus what you know, Far Cry New Dawn could call itself a fucking RPG now. Mm-hmm. I'm like it's watered it down so much. At least battle royale. You hear it, you know what it is. There's not, like, tiers of Battle Royale. Unless you right. want to talk like, oh, this is a base-building Battle Royale versus a run-and-gun Battle Royale versus, uh, a, you know, a hero system Battle Royale. Sure, maybe, but, you know, that, at least I can say safely that Battle Royale stays in its own ballpark. Mm-hmm. RPG, on the other hand, man, watered down as fuck. As, yeah. as for Borderlands 1... Is this something you want to go back to, or have you been itching to get back into Borderlands at all? Or is it one of those games that once you heard it, you're like, oh, right, I, I want that. No, I would be more interested in the new ones than the old ones. Okay. Are by, remasters by, at your speed? I don't think I've amount. ever asked you. <clears throat> yeah, some remasters are. Like, if, if like all you guys were playing it, it, then there's a far higher chance of me returning to it than, like, me magically getting it on my own. Hmm. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, it just will not happen. Just there's too much stuff. But mm-hmm. remasters, I don't have a problem with. I don't like them as much as a new game or what have you, or a remake either, but I certainly don't hold it. I mean, you know, if, if it turns out good, it turns out good. 
So, right. like, that's all that matters to me. And this one's, just because I wasn't the largest Borderlands fan doesn't mean I don't know it's good. It's just, it, at that, that time, it wasn't for me. It could be for me now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's another cool thing with remasters, I think, that we always forget, is that sometimes a game just wasn't for you at the time. I wasn't always into JRPGs. I wasn't always into strategy games. And it changes. And, I, you know, like, I was into sports games for a long time, and that's sort of fallen off. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, yeah I'm open to it. Yeah, because yeah. it's funny you say that because, you know, when you see updates, I think a good example I can come up with is KOTOR 2 gets an update. Things are much shinier, better. I, I love KOTOR 1, favorite game of all time, but I think KOTOR 2 is, like, the better game nowadays. Um, another example of a game that got brought back from the past. Um, I had another one, but it wasn't as strong of an example. Why do I want to say, I, I was thinking of, like, Dishonored. I think it's because they brought back the first one in Definitive Edition. And I was like, wow, oh, you know, this yeah. is, that's what it was. I was like, this is the one I, I really, I really enjoyed. Um, as two, I, I enjoyed a lot, but I didn't play it nearly as many times as one. And you kind of learn stuff about nostalgia. I could actually say the same thing for Borderlands 1 I, I, I versus 2. I played a lot of 2 when it first came out, beat it, did all the DLC as it came out. Uh, but then Borderlands 1, I went back to about a year ago for some videos, and I remember really just being grabbed by the world and, and, and story a little bit more, because I think it was a little, took itself a bit more serious, which mm-hmm. too had its moments it did, but there was like Handsome Jack telling you he's going to kick you in the junk for knocking down his statues and stuff, so, you know, you, you have those moments that break it up, which I think is, is a good flavor. Uh, the, both sides of age well, is what I'm pretty much getting at, but I, I appreciated one a lot more now than I did back then. Gotcha. And uh, we should clarify, though, for folks that uh, when we say remaster, that's, that's kind of like your typical up some quality of life changes. It's not along the lines of a, a Resident Evil 2 remake where they're taking the game and building it back up from the ground up. Um, completely different things. A lot of people get remaster versus remake completely mixed up. And it's just technicality within the word. Make, you're making yeah. the game. Master, you're, you're, you're touching it up a little bit here. Anyway... That's exciting stuff. March 28th can't come soon enough, at least for me. And now, move on to Pokemon. So, Pokemon. <laughs> Sword and Shield got revealed. I'm dying to hear your thoughts, because I don't know where you stand on the Pokemon spectrum. We've never had a Pokemon talk, I think, on this Emerald. podcast. Emerald? Dude, Emerald was the last one I played. <laughs> wow. What did you think of Emerald? So the, oh, I, I, dude, I really liked Emerald, but that was right, just that was my in a different... One. Cool. Yeah, that was just in a such a different time frame for me that I don't even know how to go about a Pokemon game now. Mm. Like, it's just... And I would say that any game that replicates that, I'm not... It, it's not that I'm not a huge fan of. It's that I haven't found one that probably... And pro, I would assume Pokemon fans agree uh, that hasn't replicated it very well. So, like, I just... You know, there's always there's a lot of Monster Hunter or Monster Collection type of games... They never worked out for the longest period of time. There was also, was it Digimon was another one? Yeah. That sort of tried Digimon, something. Yeah. yeah, it was. It just wasn't for me. I mean, there's a lot. I liked, I liked Emerald a lot, and then from that point on, sort of moved on. It just mm-hmm. depends on what it, I mean, it, it sounds bad, but it also depends on what it looks like. Because, like, for example, Pokemon Go, I thought looked like shit. <laughs> and so I just didn't even want to come near it. And mm-hmm. I, from I haven't even got to see a picture of this because my power was off when they announced it. So I haven't even got to see, I don't even know what the graphics look like. But from what I was told, they're way better. That They don't even look like the same kind of thing as Pokemon Go. 
mm-hmm. and they look that much better. And if that's true, then I have a, a lot higher chance of checking it out. Okay. Yeah, I, I sat on the spectrum of I never expected like a huge leap because these games, as at least I think you're aware yeah. of the idea that they're they're more incremental updates, um, not like drastic overall. Like a, a like you know when you look at Zelda to Zelda, pretty significant changes. Um, when you come to like the main franchise, so to speak, where Pokemon doesn't really receive that. And I was just, I I don't know. I'm not sold on it yet. We only saw a little bit. I think anyone who's excited kind of planned on being excited in the first place. Not that what they saw was bad by any means. Like I said, if Mm -hmm. if anyone is excited, um, I get it, but it's more so I feel like we didn't see nearly enough to, to explain why we're hyped. And I actually right. had made a video on it. When I was reading some of the comments, most people were like, yeah, I get where you're coming from. Or if they disagreed, it was respectfully so. But there was a large contingent of folks who said pretty much that, I don't know what you expected most time. Like, you know, this is exactly what I expected. Um, where, where it wasn't going to be a significant step forward, and I'm okay with that. And I thought to myself, just because we expect something and it is confirmed, does that mean it's okay? Because that seems to be the case with Game Freak and Pokemon. Now, they're a much smaller team. They are about 150 people split up into two teams. So you got 75 working on each game. You shred some of that off for, for, for community management and whatnot. You probably will say you got 50 some odd developers on the game. You just can't. And I don't know why the teams are so small for how popular Pokemon is, by the way. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Right. I, um, I heard that one on the kind of funny games cast. When I heard it, I was like, no fucking way. That's, that's actually ridiculous because it's such a popular brand. You'd think they'd be like, all right, hire 400 people. Let's make some ridiculously big Pokemon game. Uh, but I think it's because they're in a spot where uh, quite honestly, they know it's going to sell. They know people are going to get excited. They know yeah. everyone looks forward, or not everyone, I should say, but a lot of people look forward to their Pokemon every year. Uh, when you conclude include that with the Let's Go coming out last year and that not being for everybody because it's more kid-friendly, motion controls, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people were more thirsting for a traditional Pokemon experience, so it, it kind of increased a little bit of people feeling antsy and, come on, just give it to us. Um, and so I think that's why a lot of folks uh, are really excited for it because what I saw, it really it really reminded me of like the 3DS Pokemon games. It, it truly did. Uh, it looked upscaled in some ways. Um the environments had nice backdrops, but it didn't have this openness or exploration. There were fixed cameras, which I'm sorry, but in 2019, I, I'm not... Unless it's designed like in a near Automata way where they, you know, they'll turn it into almost a side-scroller or an over-the-top right. arcade game. And it's like a design decision, like, okay, we're going to fix the camera here to change the style of gameplay and give it a, a different feel. That's one thing. But uh, when it's constantly locked in place, it, it just feels a little ancient. Uh, which mm-hmm. you could clearly tell from the trailers. The Pokemon themselves look great. Um, you know, despite me saying, oh, it looks upscaled, it still looks like a good game. Um, I like the idea that these uh, gyms are almost arenas or stadiums that you battle in in front of, like, hundreds of people. But uh, despite all that, I, I just wasn't necessarily blown away. And I think it's because I need to see more, and I want to see the finer changes they make to the gameplay system. Um, I've heard some leaks on them, like elemental switches. You can, you can take out, let's say you have like a fairy type Pokemon who's also steel. Like you can take out steel and put in water and then start teaching them moves that way, which obviously kind oh, of okay. opens up the gate to 
all these mixing and matching you can do with Pokemon and, and sort of customizing your experience a bit more, which may sound simple to some, but obviously for hardcore fans, that's a really big deal that I could, I don't know, make my Squirtle start shooting fire out of his mouth, for, for example. I don't even know if that's possible, but um, it seems plausible based off the rumors that have, become, have come about. Uh, but, but other than that, this is coming from someone who, you know, lifelong fan, uh, I loved Sun and Moon. I really, really liked those games because I felt they uh, listened and, and really tried some new things. Um, and this game just looks like it's safe right now, right? It's, they didn't really gotcha. seem to take as big of a leap like, all right, we're on the Switch. This is Switch exclusive, which I'm sorry. I know Switch isn't the most powerful system, but it's more powerful than the fucking 3DS. Even even the most powerful version of 3DS. It's still way more stronger than that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's like, I, I expected a little bit more um, than, than what I had seen. Um, and what's awfully strange, now that I'm on a roll here, about, about Pokemon games is you see that they'll <clears throat> take these things from prior games. Like we'll see in Let's Go, the most recent one. You'll run around the world, and Carrick, I don't know if you remember, but you'll see like a Pokemon following you along the way. And like they'll be your partner or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's not in this version. Or in Let's Go, you'll run around the world and you'll see random Pokemon spawn, and they're ones that you can, you know, bump into and then try to catch. Now they have random encounters in this game, so when you're running around, the screen just kind of flashes, and then boom, you're in a battle with them, which I miss, but it's like, why aren't the Pokemon in the world now, right? Like, it's... Gotcha. They've removed things and add things and, and tweak things. It's like, why don't we see what we've talked about in other sequels, where you have a system... You build on it, and then the next one comes around, and then you you build on it again with some of the previous stuff there, or maybe mixed up a little bit. But it's like every Pokemon game, you don't know what you're going to get from what generation being thrown into the mix, and if that's going to receive any changes. I I overall I think it, I, I'm okay with it. Not well, yeah, I, I don't know. I was going to say I'm okay with it not making huge changes compared to, like, the older versions. But again, I think that's just me having not played anything in between. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if I was if I was a fan from, you know, who's been picking up their titles for a while, I might be a little bit more... It's almost like Far Cry. I've had people really enjoy New Dawn because they didn't play 4 or 5. Right? So they don't... Makes you know sense. what I mean? They Yeah. So, and I get that. I, t- I totally... I I understand it even, even if I still have problems with New Dawn. But I could see Pokemon fans feeling the same way, being like, mm. I get and that. certainly also not. Also, if they have some aspect of the game that you're expecting, like the following trailing Pokemon and stuff like that, them not being in there, but the ability to switch out elements being in there, I certainly can see why some people probably aren't at least as like jazzed as maybe they were prior to it being announced. Because you mm-hmm. always assume prior to something being announced mm-hmm. there's there's all we did it with spider-man remember we had to actually tell ourselves to shut up because we <laughs> yeah. were assuming so much stuff that we in the middle of the podcast were like we need to stop because mm-hmm. we're just going to be unhappy like no matter what we're gonna we're gonna get past we're gonna get the, uh, past a certain point mm-hmm. i agree yeah it's not even like you know because i'm used to the pokemon every year so it's not like i get hyped it's kind of I guess the same thing with Dragon Ball, except I love Dragon Ball way more than Pokemon. But even Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, it's another Dragon Ball game this year. Let's see what it is. That's the same approach I had to Pokemon. It wasn't like I came in like, okay, I want Breath of the Wild style Pokemon. I want huge open world. I want action battle systems. I want the whole fucking landscape change. Like, no, like that. that's the thing. I never went in with that mindset. Um, I iterated that in my video. And I want to say it again, just for those who are listening who maybe didn't catch that video. Because I just feel like they could have opened things up a little bit more. 
which based off the trailer, I'm sorry, but for the first look, you saw like a narrow valley. You saw them running along like a side, like the camera's locked on the side as they run across a sidewalk in the city. Um, you see them kind of walking up a hill, but the camera's like locked into place. And it, it, it just seemed linear. I'm right. sorry, but in 2019, yes, you can have these these fixed moments. Um, you, you can have all these certain things put into place, but I think linear linearity is something that's gradually falling off a bit in exchange for some player agency, even if some say it's a myth. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very surprised to see Pokemon's really not trying to hop on that a little bit more. Um, and I'm curious to see maybe what they do battle mechanics-wise to, to keep it refresh instead of just... Or fresh, not refresh. Um, right. Because often... I was thinking in the car. Uh, let me know what you think about this because you played Persona Five. I was like, "What's the difference between Persona, where you ta- you target the the weak spot of an enemy, and it's satisfying to take them down, versus in Pokemon where you target the weak spot and it's almost like, okay, here we go. Look, you know, it's a water Pokemon. We use lightning, hit him with that, kill him. What's the difference between those two that makes it go? All right, I like Persona's combat more when they're essentially the same." In, uh, in in style of targeting weaknesses and knocking them down. Um, and I was wondering if it's because Persona, you know, once you hit them with a weakness, they get knocked down, and then you can do an all-out attack, and there's phases for enemies. But I wanted to hear your thoughts, because that's where I was struggling. I was like, why do I have a problem with one battle system being the same, but Persona, which I put hundreds and hundreds of hours into as well, I'm fine with how it is. So I want to hear what you think about that. Well, I'm trying to think, so it, if it's just the combat system and they're that much alike and we weren't talking about the rest of the game, I might say mm-hmm. I might say it, it could be the art or something as stupid as that because right. everything to me is a combination, sound art. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually, honestly, dude, I've never really been a fan of the Pokemon stories. So to me, when I go into the combat of Persona... I want to I want to do the combat but I also like the story cuz they're goofy and they're they're weird and there's like fucking teachers right. are being sex maids and stuff right so you're like <laughs> forgot about what's that, happening yeah. so what happens with that is there's a tip for tat where I give up a little to get a little and it's like mm-hmm. okay I'm okay with this because there's this battle because I know that when I come out yes I'll have to deal with a fucking cat but I'll also be able to get to fucking have this crazy story where pokemon because I can't separate them enough to say that there's really that much of a difference with the combat system, but certainly I can say that when you inject it into a Pokemon game, I'm I don't I couldn't tell you one iota about the story of a Pokemon game, <laughs> and I've spent many hours playing those, especially Emerald. So, but not even and and there's games prior to that that I remember the story from. So there's nothing, but I do remember a lot of Persona. So I personally believe that there's you give up a little. I mean, it happens, right? You play a game and you're like. Uh, maybe the story isn't the greatest, but the combat's great. And so you're like, okay, I get this. And you explain it away. But I don't know if you separated the two in a video, let's say, and said, I'm going to explain to you the differences between this, this. You're probably right. There probably isn't much of a difference at all other than art, which I think somebody may like the look of Persona better. And that would certainly be me, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like if you said, here's a Pokemon and here's a Persona, I'm going to pick the Persona nine out of ten times. Just That just happens to be what I artistically right. like. So I want to see them on the screen. Gotcha. That's but but that's about it. I would I would agree. I would say that I can't think of anything like off the top of my head where I'm like, oh no, they're definitely different. I mm-hmm. think in fact, they they pretty they're pretty close to being the same. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I think Persona offers a few more layers. Like you can pull out the gun, for example, shoot flying enemies that they're weak to that. And, sure. And there's, I think, yeah, like you said, there's aesthetic to it. There's delivery to it. Um, I guess it was like I said, it was just a car thought. I was, I was just driving yeah. around. And I was like, man, you know, why am I kind of like a little sour on Pokemon's battle system being the same, at least on you know potentially on the outside? Um, I'm just why talking quite, generally. Oh, are you still there? Yeah, okay, you're still there. Yeah. Sorry, just for a second, the internet dropped out. I will have a question for you then. Are you so? Are, do you think maybe you're not not I, burned out? It's not the right word, but mm. so Pokemon, we know everything about. Mm-hmm. I mean, mostly. So if I give you a joke, in fact, like people, you know, IGN personalities are named after fucking Pokemon, right? right. So you, but Persona changes it up. Every single episode, or sorry, not episode, uh, every single um, game, there's a new persona you may not have seen. There's how much stuff is added into Pokemon per episode, or per, geez, I said episode again. Per, <laughs> per game, is there a ton of, because if there's not, I mm. think what you're dealing with is more along the lines of been there, done that, even if you change what it graphically looks mm-hmm. like, still been there, done that. So there are definitely changes. Like if I look at, before Sun and Moon versus what Sun and Moon offered, you know, Sun and Moon takes you to a Hawaiian place. They do away with the gyms. Um, oh, gotcha. You know, there's there's actually like I I thought a, a decent story attached to it that uh, made you I don't want to say care about the characters, but care about what's going on. Um, yeah, I thought the music was a lot stronger than any Pokemon game where it's usually like dirt 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 dirt, and it's more like uh, it had an actual. Uh, it felt like it had a direction to it which I think strongly aids a game. So kind of like what you were alluding to with Persona, where uh, it was a culmination of multiple parts that made mm. it overall better. I felt a lot of that was in Sun and Moon. Uh, like the a lot of Pokemon fans will also know, kind of a fully 3D world um, where you know, it wasn't tile-based, where you, know, you could see the entirety of a room and a lot of empty space, and in turn the, the world wasn't as interesting. But uh, it was designed to be fully 3D. Um, and it's not like Let's Go, where... You know, you're bringing a game from like the 1990s to current gamers, um, where that that may struggle a bit. So um, there is a bit of been there, done that, but uh, at the same time, I, I feel like there is uh, enough changes. At least when I looked at Sun and Moon, but um, I did like you. I did fall out of Pokemon for a bit until Sun and mm-hmm. Moon. Um, I, I, I oh, gotcha. Black and White too. I skipped. X and Y, I was not thrilled with. That was definitely the the most been there, done that feeling I've had with a Pokemon game. I, I straight up beat it, dropped it, um, and was was quite disappointed with it personally. Um, so yeah, I'm just afraid that might happen with Sword and Shield for me because I I love Pokemon. You know, I've, I play pretty much every game that comes around, um, despite the ones that I mentioned earlier that I skipped. So. That's like I said. It's just I saw the trailer. It wasn't like, oh, this looks bad. All oh, this sucks. Um, right. Which I know people will take away from it. It was more so I saw it and went, ah, this looks, you know, like it's playing it safe. Like this is their chance to really make a push. But do they have to make a push when they're the most pop, one of the most popular franchises? No, not really. But um, you know, going back to my Dragon Ball example, do they do they need to do Dragon Ball Fighters, a really ambitious fucking like tick for tat show to the game comparison? And did they have to do that despite Dragon Ball being popular and it probably would sell anyway? No, but should they still try to? Yes. So that's yes. why I feel a Pokemon, right? So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I get that. I do, is this a full priced uh, title? 
Someone said that in the comments. They were like, Matt, what if this was like $40 for each because there's going to be two versions, obviously. Right. And I said, I didn't respond, but I thought to myself when I saw it, why would they price it for $40 when they know people will absolutely buy it for $60 a piece because it's on Switch? Yeah. It could be very much like the budget and production could make it where they could say, let's sell these for $40 each. But people will buy them for $60 and, and not know any better, and Nintendo could just walk away with that easily. Yeah. Yeah. If it's $40 yeah, just wondering... in, a, in a hypothetical world, yeah, that does make a difference. Yeah, I mean, I was. It just all depends. Also, on like, I I would if they are gonna do this kind of stuff, I would love to see. See, this this is why established franchises sort of suck. Not to be rude, but they do sometimes. You want to try something different, and I'm sure that devs at times would be like, "Let's add a Tyrannosaurus." Fuck it. Well, they already got a Tyrannosaurus. Let's add whatever Pokemon. And somebody's like, "Can't do that because because fucking rule number forty-seven, law fourteen states, you know, no Pokemon can have arms shorter than this or whatever." And you're like, "God damn it!" So, in a way, like I, I'm sort of interested in it because I do have a Switch and I spent a sh- sh- shit ton of time with it when it was charged uh, over this um, uh, un- this forced holiday I just had. So, <laughs> I, I'm. Yeah, I would I would enjoy checking one out, but mm-hmm. it would certainly need to be I, I don't know, there would need to be something different to it for me. I it just what now that I'm looking online and seeing sort of what I'm seeing, it's not really not really grabbing me. That's right now. Yeah. That could change. You know, in the scheme of things, that's why like I carefully worded my title. I said, Why Pokemon yeah, you Sword be and Shield? I am not sold on them quite yet. Keyword yeah. being yet. Someone did point that out in the comments. They said, keyword in this title is yet. And I was like, absolutely. Because there's only a minute of footage. What I saw really didn't impress me. But yeah. they still have to reveal gameplay details, demo, you know, right. the whole shebang that, that a lot of Switch games come with. Um, and I'm also not concerned because I know either way I'm spending a lot of time with my Switch. Because they have such a stellar looking lineup for the rest of the year. But I would love for Pokemon to be a part of the fun and the holiday for me. Yeah. So, we'll see. Nobody, nobody wants a bad game in their series anyway. Mm, I agree. Right? Yeah. Like, who wakes up and says, man, hope the next game in this series I love dies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not normal. If you are, if you are, you need seek help, man. <laughs> Don't listen to us. Go, yeah, go, call I, I was, up a therapist. Uh, I was looking, I was thinking, uh, just about an hour ago, I was sitting there, and I was about to type out a tweet and just go like, hi, I'm Matt, and every franchise I love is dead. Because I was like, yeah. I love KOTOR, I love Sly Cooper, yeah. Kingdom Hearts is back, that's cool. Um, but for me, uh, there's Jade Empire as well. Yeah. Even though that Dragon Age Origins, Dragon Age, <laughs> dead. <Yeah. laughs> like everything I love is dead. <laughs> yep, crushed. Mm. Anyway, now we move on to uh, a pretty interesting one about Halo. So there's a write up from Game Informer, which they got from IGN, and it says Halo Infinite to be a spiritual reboot, according to three four three. <clears throat> so I'm going to read the entirety of the article. This is by Imran Khan. Unsurprisingly, anytime we source Game Informer, I swear this guy's behind it. Uh, shout out to Imran. So as part of IGN's unfiltered video series and their continued talk with Bonnie Ross, head of Microsoft's 343 Industries, a little bit was talked about Halo Infinite. The next game is in the venerated first-person shooter series. has already been announced, but Microsoft hasn't talked much about the new game. 
Ross indicated that 343 wanted to go in a new direction with the game. During the interview, Ross indicates that the studio is thinking of a Halo Infinite, uh, or thinking of Halo Infinite as a spiritual reboot after getting their legs stable on the two previous games. Interesting. There's been a lot of introspective time to reflect on what uh, what's done as 343. Uh, where we where have we made mistakes? Where have we hit it right? What does Halo mean to all of us? That trailer for Halo Infinite we did is what Halo means to the studio. Maybe it took us two games to get there, and I think we've done good things and bad things. But what does Halo mean to us? It's about hope and wonder and heroism and humanity and community and bringing a community together. That's what that trailer is, and that's what we want to do. Now, uh, to mention, it's important to mention that there was the rumor initially that um, Halo Infinite was going to be like an RPG with choices in the main story that kind of direct the flow of how things go. Um, That came out alongside the rumor of Game Pass coming to Switch and uh, Microsoft revealing two consoles come this E3. So what do you think about them saying uh, Halo Infinite is going to be a spiritual reboot, which essentially, you know, they, they kind of gave a big shebang on like heroism and humanity and hope and all that stuff. Uh, but obviously, what is it, what do you feel that means for the game? Because my takeaway is kind of a uh, going back to the basics, you know, taking out the ADS, that type of stuff. What do you what do you take from that? I think it's a bunch of bullshit. Hmm. I fucking hate it. I hate the humanity. That's that is so crowdsourced from a bunch of fucking suits in a bedroom somewhere, <laughs> fucking like or a hotel room somewhere, talking about you know what they're gonna what they're gonna make in the next big game. They're gonna hope oh, humanity. Fuck off, Halo. That's not even the original creators of Halo didn't think that. Like it, this kind. That's that's the kind of shit that I don't like coming from corporate boardrooms. Even the words, dude. Those words are not anything. Those words are generic genre. They don't attach to the game or... Of course. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's a complete line of bullshit. And I fucking hate that stuff. And as a big fan of Halo, that is not what I woke up and said, Man, I tell you, I'm hoping they bring up hope and humanity when we're talking (laughs) about the next... Who Would you ever do that? You'd never do that. Like, and it's the stupidest thing in the... It's fucking asinine. And... That's why I think these big titles a lot of times need either a not a reboot but a, a step away for a good deal of time, like a kill zone, even though I wasn't a fan of the new kill zone as much. Um, step away for a while or let a different group look at it. For example, like what we're hearing with Gears of War, different group looking at it, come at it from a different tack. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you lose that edge. If you've been doing stuff for enough times, you overthink things too. You know what? Sometimes, do you know what I want? Sometimes I want a level to just be fun and not make, not make the sh- the most sense logically. Like Gears of War, there was a lot of stupid level design in that game. Look at Gears of War. There were spots in Gears of War, and I t- and I bitched about this in Dishonored uh, One and Two, where there was just like a wall in the middle of the road, and that was just for you to dive behind to fight the bad guys. But because it was fun, you could deal with that. They didn't they didn't say humanity and hope and all that. They were just like, is it fucking fun and can we build a you, you know somewhat of a fun story around it? That's what I want for Halo. I don't need a spiritual reboot. I don't need bullshit buzzwords. I need them to be like this is a fucking blast. Aim down sights you mentioned. Guess mm-hmm. what? None of those words mean aim down sights. No, that's what worries me. None of the, that's you as a player 
stating a gameplay mechanic and out talking the fucking PR person. And that's what that's what disturbs me about games right now is the way people are talking about games is so obtuse and so wide that you can't even figure out what they're saying half the time. You're just like it sounds like a bunch of bu- it sounds like somebody got a thesaurus. It's like saying something it's- without saying something you know what i'm, what yeah, I'm saying like, exactly there's no, there's no substance yeah. to it there's no there's no substance whatsoever to any of what she said and right. i like by we the way no details I'm to share so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like i i love the the trailer and they're gonna say how how what it symbolizes yeah. to them instead of saying like oh yeah here's what we're changing in halo because it's not time to talk about that it's almost yeah like a and i am answer. i'm a huge fan of bonnie ross by the way mm-hmm. i mean like massive fan and uh uh prior to her um uh uh, Asian lady, she, uh, amazing programmer. Her name was, um, I think she's still work. Oh, she was one of the original creators of the new engine for 343. Oh, what was her name? Oh, I can't remember. Um, but anyway, I, I think technically, like, though, and, and pro- producer-wise, those, they're, they're fine people. Absolutely. They just, I, it's just like Ferguson for, um, for Gears. Like, at some point, I'm like, dude, step off. Step the fuck off and get a fan in there or get somebody in there who's got a little edge to them that's like, we don't need to recreate the wheel, but we do need to return the gameplay. Um, we see it in se- movie sequels, too, where the mm-hmm. sequels lose their edge because they try to get... Once you grab one million people, what happens? You try to figure out 1.5. And you and by doing that, I think a lot of people make concessions. So it's like, oh, we got 1.5 people, million people to buy the sequel. What? How do we get 2 million? We'll make a couple concessions here and there, and pretty soon it's just crowdsourced to a general audience. And also, general audiences are not what I consider diehard audiences who will play your game forever. I think one of the biggest issues we're running into right now with games is general audiences. This general audience bounces in, boom, they're out. Mm-hmm. They're in, they're out. They're not going to stick around to look at you. what happens in six months. They're not going to stick around to see the new skins or the monthly DLC. Or they're fucking Assassin's Creed, then it's Far Cry, then it's blah, 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 then it's blah, blah, blah. And it's, so they're like mini-reviewers in a weird way, except mm-hmm. with no ability to critique. <clears throat> so I don't know, man. I'm just nervous about it because, dude, it's my favorite fucking series. And 343 has shown that they absolutely have no fucking clue when they did Master Chief Collection. I've lost almost all, like, confidence in them. Mm-hmm. It, almost all of it is gone. It scares the shit out of me. Yeah, I get that because I liked... I liked four. Obviously, they botched Master yeah. Chief and five. Uh, <laughs> multiplayer, I thought was solid fun. Still to this day, but holy crap, that story was a legitimate embarrassing for probably one of the series that pioneered fun shooters having good campaigns. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, I I agree with what you said about this article. Um, and it's strange because you have Coalition, who worked on Gears Four. And I never read anything they said about when they first revealed their trailer. Like, this means gore and guts and chainsaws or whatever the fuck. Right. But they did such an excellent job with that game all around. Like, story, mm-hmm. multiplayer, horde mode, evolu- evolving the franchise, bringing in new interesting characters, uh, using old ones intelligently. I thought, and that's coming from, like, a non-diehard Gears fan. I thought that was such a great game. Um, whereas with infinite, I, I don't get what's so hard. I think it's like almost, have you ever overthought something to a point yes, where you're exactly just, what you, you literally have to step out and just go, okay, this is simple. I just got to do yeah. this. Yep. I think they're doing that with halo where like, literally, hold on. I'm going to count in this quote, by the way. Okay. This is what they actually said. Hope, wonder, heroism, 
humanity, community, bringing community together. That's six fucking things that they mention that this game means that none of them really, I've never thought of with Halo. Maybe hope, bringing hope to the, to the universe. But none of those have I ever fucking considered when I'm like, I want to play Halo 3. I'm going to hop yeah. in and, and experience some hope, wonder, heroism, humanity, community, and bringing my community together. No. So I think they're just overthinking it. I legitimately think they, they just looked at it and, and are just thinking, you know, what did Bungie, those masterminds, do to make Halo such a great game series? And it's like, dude, just do what you did kind of with Halo 4, just better, I guess. Because Halo 4, they introduced, like, new, somewhat interesting uh, antagonists. They introduced a new set of weapons. Um, and, and you can build off of that. And especially with what happens in Halo Wars 2, I won't spoil it, um, there, there's a room for an interesting plot to be told in Halo Infinite. Now you're adding the possibility of Infinite with RPG choices, um, and maybe I'd imagine, you know, upgrading weapons. I feel like that's kind of synonymous with, with a first-person shooter taking an RPG route. Uh, it seems like an ambitious take. So based off the rumor, which I think has nothing to line up with what they're de- identifying Halo as, yeah, does that sound like what, what the franchise would actually need? Like, would you be excited mm-hmm. about making a choice in a Halo game and nope. taking a certain path? No. Nope. Nope. And I, th- the original creators, if you ever hear them talk about why they created Halo in the first place, it was to get a good shooter with good controls on. Once once Microsoft got them in, to, to make on the Xbox it was it was to basically make an other world shooter and then and then later to make it control well on a console but their original idea was to make a shooter it wasn't hope or fucking greed or whatever the fuck they're saying huh. like and and i just don't think they know and another thing is this if you if you ever say, if you say those words you could say them 100 times and i would never actually be able to draw real parallels to halo uh, other than, like you said, hope, I would say bravery or heroism and hope, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think heroism and hope are are very, very much tied together as as core principles. But overall, it's just it's not at all. I don't care about the RPG elements. I don't. That to me is selling it to the current open world. I need an open world. I need an RPG. I need a skills perks list uh, fan base. And that's not. And by the way, I've liked a lot of the Halos later. So it's not like I'm magically going to hate this game. It's just I'll like it for what it is. But at least what they're explaining right now, it certainly is not climbing up my list of, wow, I can't wait games. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, it's on my list of, okay, games. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I'll get to it whenever, maybe. Yeah. And, and kind of the list of, like, I'm just shutting off all attention I'm giving to this game and we'll wait to see gameplay. Yeah, yeah. Like, there is yeah, that switch in the brain, I swear, for games. Like, yep. I have, like, five million switches for all these games that I see, and there are games I'll flip on Switch. All right, I'm paying attention, paying attention. Fuck you, fuck you. You're at E3. Yeah. Fuck, you know, and just shut them all down. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if it turns out well, that's, like, I'll be the first one to be right on it. But all of this stuff is not, you know, it, it per, is not personally selling to me at all. Yeah, it just seems like they don't have a good grip. Of what right. makes their franchise great, which is not a good sign. So they're trying something new. All right, moving on. Another classic shooter, this time in the form of Modern Warfare 2. So this information comes from PC Gamer. The original story says that the rumored Modern Warfare 2 remaster has appeared on Peggy's site. It has yet to be officially announced. 
Uh, but it got a rating from Peggy, which obviously pretty much indicates, yeah, the game's coming. Um, it was originally rumored to actually be coming in 2018, but now in 2019, it is the 10-year anniversary for MW2. What's more interesting is that what was rated was the campaign. Um, it also listed a release date of February 28, 2019, so that's obviously not happening. But um, there was also an update on this story that says Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Remastered has vanished from the Peggy website. But you can see what was originally posted below, which is a screenshot. It says it's Peggy 18, PS4, uh, the release date I mentioned. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 Campaign Remastered is a combat simulation game in which the players take the roles of various members of Special Operations Team attempting to thwart the plans of a Russian dot dot dot. So a general summary of the game's story and you know how they rate things and why they rated them. Um, but yeah, so it seems like it's coming very soon, I'd imagine. Um, what do you think about a Modern Warfare 2 remaster being leaked? Are you looking forward to hopping in? Are you planning on hopping in at all? Do you need multiplayer to want to hop in? Let's hear it. Yeah, I would, uh, it, hopefully it's co-op, because that would be, like... They have the Spec Ops mode, which is co-op. Yeah, 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 but I mean, I don't know, you'd have a hard time selling me on playing that game all the way through if it's just a remastered campaign. Didn't they do that with uh, the first COD, Call, Call of Duty Modern Warfare? COD 4? I, I don't remember. I, I know they did but the multiplayer. I, I, yeah, so, oh, so yeah. So, and, and that's the thing is, that's why I think it says campaign only. Or or is it only indicates campaign. Because I just don't think they're going to do anything with the multiplayer situation where it is right now. Mm. They've, they've got their own com- competition in, in their own game. So you don't want to really... Like throw another title in there and be like, let's steal blackout players. Um, right. But I think when like when I look at it, that's not really for me. I would certainly play it uh, as long as there was, like I said, if there was some co-op, if it's just me playing through the campaign of Modern Warfare 2, I would... Pr- I don't know if I would get that. I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, and I yeah, liked I, Modern Warfare 2. So did I. So did I. I feel like I would just probably just play it on PC and just deal with maybe whatever you know shit i had to deal with i wouldn't get it again i don't yeah i mean and i'm not gonna hold my breath that activision's gonna slap in some unique features that right make this one worth going to you instead of the the old version um other than it, it looks better it's like a second breath of life um see there there are companies that remaster games and add solid changes that give it a unique feel that bring it up to date with the times um I guess, you know, even though this is a remake, I think Resident Evil 2 just stands as, like, the shining example of how to bring an old game back and do it right, I'd say. Um, And like I said, I know remake versus remaster, we explained it earlier, totally different. But when you look at what Modern Warfare 2 could be, which is this touched-up game, whereas uh, Resident Evil 2 removes some tank controls um, and and really helps streamline the game in some ways, where it became, not accessible, but... uh, easier to play from not in a oh this is an easy game now but stuff that should have should that make sense in a playable title smoother controls um stuff that makes the game flow better so you're not dying because you accidentally ran down the hallway the wrong way um so i i I don't foresee this collection being or this remaster being anything significant and i would not be surprised if activision tried to split this up into multiple packages we saw them try a similar thing with COD 4, 
they released the multiplayer uh, along with the remaster uh, attached to Infinite Warfare to make sure people bought the game. Um, and then after that, they tried to sell the map pack for $15 remastered. Oh, right. Yeah, they which did. was $5 short of the game's standalone, which came with, I think, like 12 maps fully fully done. I think the campaign was included in that, too. So funny. Yeah, right? So, like, I would not be surprised if Activision's going to experiment. All right, here's the campaign. I think here's the multiplayer. Multiplayer's 15 bucks. Campaign's 20 or vice versa. And, and try to split that up a little bit. More bang for their I, buck. I, I, I just overall don't know exactly what they would bring to the... Like, what are they going to bring to our table? What are they going to make us... Why would we want to play this versus mm-hmm. all the other thousands of games? Like, I think that's the biggest issue I have. Yeah, man. I. That's the thing. is I, I just feel like nowadays with companies and making games, a lot of it comes down to not worrying about what's happening around you. Like, well, what is yeah. X, Y, and Z doing? Because there's just so much to track. It's such a fast-moving industry that chances are they're like, let's just release this here. This seems like a safe area now. Uh, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I trust that gaming is so explosive and, and people are demanding a return of a game that's already established itself enough where, oh, this will perform well. I imagine that's at least Activision's perspective. They're not really concerned about... Call of Duty being hurt by you know the latest. Oh, that's RPG. true. That's true. Um, you know, when it comes to other games, yeah, I think there's a little more research. But if you're a, a I'd argue a Bethesda, a Rockstar, um, a Activision with Call of Duty, at least, um, I I don't think that uh, it or any any company really with a established popular franchise or popular name like a, a Spider-Man PS4 that didn't really require much maneuvering in the market because yeah. you knew. That would yeah. be the dominant game, and games would. It was its own thing it. too. Exactly. So yeah. these games kind of become their own entities, and I, I don't think that Activision is really concerned when they release it. They just know they're going to make a lot of money off of it. All right. Let's see. Dogs. Quiet. Sorry. Oh, it's all right. My dog will probably be barking soon anyway. I, I, I'm assuming male came. Oh, they're fighting. Hang on. Hey, <laughs> jackasses! Shut up. <laughs> Jesus, I didn't realize they were going to go at each other. They <laughs> they both wanted the mailman. They're like, ah, it's he's mine. <laughs> uh, we got next Sinking City, a game that you put me on watch for. Fuck uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I kind of skimmed through the trailer a little bit. It seemed to me like a investigation style game with a much higher budget than most titles in its genre, so to say. Um, does this like i said i know nothing you were just like we were dming each other exchanging topic ideas you're like sinking city looks good like i said i watched the trailer real quick so does this originate from anything is it a new ip who's making it like i said i know i know nothing so Frogwares. did you do the sherlock holmes games uh no i've been curious about them i watched are you kidding i watched one of your reviews on them and i was like this looks solid oh dude sherlock holmes crimes and punishment is fucking one of the best games man and uh so those developers are making a cthulhu game so it's based in the hellboy elder Scro- elder world kind of like you know cthulhu monsters living in space fucking gotcha. yeah you know and then coming to earth creatures yeah. and stuff so yeah and so this one is basically completely hands off so the entire game no quest markers no plot points um that you can find on a map it's all listening to people talk and it's an open world or open city and it's trying to figure out why these mysterious events, the floods, the 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 uh, 
mutations on people, why they're all occurring. That's why you see in the trailer him talking to what looks like a frogman, because that's one of the right. creatures that, that is, exists in the Cthulhu mythos. So the entire game is based, the Sherlock Holmes games have always been based on figuring out puzzles by going in almost a pin board, like CSI Miami kind of mm -hmm. thing. So you post up like a three by five card that says, Maddie was here, Maddie was murdered. And then it'd be like, well, Carrick saw, saw Maddie at Starbucks at 830. And then you have to go and you have to figure out, did Carrick do it? And you have to draw lines until you figure out the right answer or the answer you think is right. What's going on with this one is it's all about figuring out the mystery of, of why this why these these crazy things are going on in the city. But at the same time, you can make the wrong choices. And so those people will go away. You basically are a private investigator trying to figure this out. Wow. So you can basically arrest them and then they go away. But then you can find out you're wrong. And that's what Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment was about. You could make the wrong decision. You could be like, oh, oh it's for sure Joe Bob murdered somebody in the fucking Fourier with, you know, a hammer. And you're like, oh, shit, it wasn't that guy. It was this person. They looked like it was that guy. And then that comes back to bite you. But this is an open city game. So it's like the entire city is that way. And again, there are no quest markers. No, You have to figure everything out on your own. So there's no hand-holding, which wow. I don't know. I've bitched about this in the past saying if, if you want to do that, you need an easy mode or a story menu mode where it's like, let the people who just want to experience. Normally, I would say it's going to be hurt because of that. I would say with this kind of game, if you had a story mode, it may not be there. There might not be a lot going on because of the way you're going around this town, collecting clues and trying to figure out who did what. There is combat in it. There's puzzles. There's uh, a, uh, a mind system. Uh, what do you call it? Insanity points. Basically, mm -hmm. go insane. You start seeing hallucinations. So the more insane you go the more hallucinations you see. This is all sort of Cthulhu standard stuff. But um, it just it's by Frogwares who've made the past ones. They made Sherlock, Devil's Daughter, which wasn't a good game. But other than that, they, I would say they're fairly solid B, you know, the B-maker kind of game that we've liked in the past, your vampire. Oh, um, oh, yeah. magic word. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, Sherlock Holmes is vampire level, if not better than vampire. Like, Whoa. Sherlock... Yeah, Sherlock Holmes Whoa. Crimes and Punishment is a premier game. Like, that game is... There's a reason why you hear everybody... Like, a lot of times I, when you're talking about games, you'll hear it come up a it, lot. It's funny, because I'm scrolling through this article about... Uh, which I'll, I'll mention in a sec. Uh, it's by Eurogamer, and, and they actually, at one point, say, having recently got to play Frogwares' excellent Sherlock Crimes and Punishment, yeah. I've been impressed by its ability to create a sense of open-ended freedom within the fr fixed framework of each case that makes you feel like a crime-solving smartass. As you gather clues yep. and tease out your own leads. So can you can you get like uh, a case wrong? Can you can you fuck up? Yeah. So in that game, in that game, they were a little bit more like cases. You know, Sherlock Holmes is like the case of the mysterious Joe Bob. Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah, like, yeah, okay. Or... So this one's a little different. The entire case is the Cthulhu mythos and what's going on in the city. Um. Mm. So, but yes, you they in that trailer they for sure say you absolutely can like say, oh, this person you know, maybe murdered somebody because you're investigating a bunch of different things that have happened in this town. Gotcha. And all of, so you're not only investigating the flood that is, it's a New Orleans mythical town, basically. It's like not, it's fake New Orleans. Gotcha. It's flooded. That's why you use a boat to travel most places because you're in like their mm, back alleys using that. a boat. Yeah. And then um, you're, you're constantly trying to figure out who's spreading the Cthulhu, like, like who's the cultists, okay. who are the evil guys. And yes, you absolutely can say this guy's evil and find out that he's not. That's one of the things they said is they're, they are for sure making it. And it won't be instant. 
it'll be later on. So you'll oh, be like, that. yeah. So like you'll be like, case closed, bitch. Walk away. Case closed, bitch. Yeah, you're like, this guy <laughs> murdered this dude, and then you're gonna be walking around, and maybe a guy will be like, when I murdered John, and you're all, oh fuck. Yeah. I thought I thought Melissa did that, and then now you know, but you can't do you can't go back. Mm, you you like now know. And again, no hand holding. Um, just the idea of it. Again, it's a B it's a B level game. I don't think anybody should expect amazing stuff. The fighting shoot, gun fighting does not look good in it. Absolutely. They showed they showed him like looking like a piece of stone moving left and right. And I was like, ah, that's 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 not for me. But the games never really had that. Those developers have not made a game where that's been a major thing so hopefully it won't be a bunch of it but to me this is what cthulhu should have been because call of cthulhu was ultimately disappointing um it was still a game but it was it was disappointing this looks and remember that frogwares was hired to make call of cthulhu then they were fired then they made this where the other developers who made call of cthulhu (laughs) now were not the original developers making call of cthulhu Mm, so So they hopscotched each other yeah so this is actually the culmination of them being fired Hmm. this is and them deciding we're going to take we're going to make a mythic sherlock holmes which to me yeah i I don't know if you i don't know if you know this but amazon a lot so i didn't know if it was like a direct tie into that it's direct okay so you have to play previous ones to nope Nope. Um, there's and there's a ton of books. There's about forty novels where Sherlock is in 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 real life. You can go to Amazon and buy novels where Sherlock is investigating. For whatever reason, people think the two feel right together. Mm. So you can buy like full novels where Sherlock's investigating the Elder Scroll or the uh, the sorry the the Elder Gods. So this is not necessarily brand new to have him like looking into or a character like him looking into right. the Elder Gods. But you don't need to play any of it. They said that they were going to start you out new. Because you're yeah. trying to figure it out. So you're probably, like, somebody like me who knows Haster or the King in Yellow, these weird names, you know, Yib Sub Niggeroth or something like that. They'll, they, they're not going to require you to know those. That, that'll all be stuff you'll learn. They won't also require you to have any Sherlock knowledge. They said, that's not what it's about. So mm. you'll, when you go in... It will introduce you to the gameplay, but they said that there will be it. What's going on is it's almost like a no HUD, or almost like you have no quests chosen. Yeah, like it's in a it's game. If that no makes sense, no holding, kind of hands. Yeah, on. yeah. I'm. I cannot be more stoked for this game. Like I saw that trailer, and I went from being like, "Oh, cool," to "What the fuck? That's <laughs> awesome!" So hopefully it holds up. Yeah, because the description that the same article I was reading, uh, for those who just want a general synopsis, because obviously you did a good job, but I think like the what what they, they sell as a location and, and a, a protagonist in a time period will definitely interest our viewers or listeners. Yeah, for sure. Um, they say, players are cast as private investigator Charles Reed, who finds himself in Oakmont, Massachusetts. A corner of Ooh, 1920s America, plagued by a supernatural flood and other more troubling cosmic horrors, in a search uh, to cure his hellish visions. So, really cool um, alternate history, psychedelic type of uh, adventure. It sounds like um, I, I what I saw from the trailer is I flicked through it because like it was right before the show, so I didn't have time to watch it because it was a lengthy trailer. It was a it was like a yeah. Four, it's I'm yeah. looking right now four minutes eighteen seconds. Um, it looks it looks excellent. It really looks like a good time. And um, apparently, there was a release date of March twenty first, but a con- a revised console release date of May thirty first has since been spotted on various storefronts. So it got moved. 
Um, and then the PC version got moved to a non-specific 2019 on Steam. But the publisher, Big Ben Interactive, has yet to offer official word on the matter. I so. can officially say that it is for sure delivered. Yeah. I did get, they did contact me this morning and say that, like, they're, I don't know when, but they said that the press releases should be coming out very yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 figured as much based off that um especially if they did a pretty significant dump to say like hey games in good shape see things are working probably fine-tuning making sure it's done right which is you know preferred um and two months is about right it gives you one 30-day cycle to do like your test another i mean another well actually it's more like two two fifty two three fifteen day cycles to do your test and have somebody have people go in and polish so it's probably yeah. about right yeah so May, it you sounds said? like a yeah well that was the supposed release date now they said it mm. was spotted on various storefronts before being pulled down so gotcha yeah it, se- it seems like sinking city is coming around may which um kind of sucks because when i first was reading that article and i saw march i was like well i can play this soon Fine. yeah i was like yeah me Damn. too i was like here i come review copy <laughs> i want to i want to cover that one um yeah. anyway last topic on the list we've got is resident evil on the switch all right so this one uh, was exciting for folks because it was announced we knew it was coming and then we saw the price tags which then uh really upset people so what we've got here is resident evil hd zero and four on the switch for 30 euros each which would then put it at about you said i think 30, I think it's 37, 36, 37 for us. We'll do a quick conversion, but what do you think about about these prices? I just, I just think, it, like, it, it is the switch tax, but they at some point we need to figure out why. Like, we constantly say the switch tax. I, I, I've heard people say, oh, it's because of the memory cards, that kind of thing. 34. Um, I, I just, I don't care. I don't think overall that's a good price. I, and the fact that it came out on the PS4 and the Xbox at a at a, a, a better price is mm. sort of surprising to me. And even so, more surprising is I'm looking just I was just searching stuff up for Resident Evil, and there is a triple pack on the Xbox One which offers all three of these games on the same disc for forty euros. Yeah. So yeah, instead that's, on that's the crazy. Switch they're selling it for thirty dollars each for a combined ninety. Oh man. Wow, that and is a lot my, of money. It, it's a lot. My hope is it looks better than fucking you know Assassin's Creed Three, which we saw in the direct trailer. Because mm-hmm. that's another thing is like it, it doesn't even really matter how much they're going to be if they end up turning out to be absolute dog shit. And that's one of the things I'm worried about is like, how are they going to run? I mean, it's really disappointing as someone who has actually never gotten around to Resident Evil 4. This was where I was going to do it. I was like, all right, I'll play on the Switch. I love my Switch. I, I oh, can gotcha, totally get yeah. down with playing Resident Evil 4 in bed. Like, you know, as I lay down for a couple hours before I fall asleep, I'll just play some Resident Evil 4. I know it's not a super long game. And now I'm hearing or reading that it's 30 euros, 35 bucks. It's like, no, no, that's just cashing yeah. in on nostalgia and people like me. Who have yet to play it? I just I can't do that, man. Uh, but yeah, there there is this real thing called the switch tax because they say uh, all the, it is thought to relate to the fact that the switch games come on carts, which are more expensive to produce than discs. But what I don't get, still to this day, and and you've worked in these fields a little bit 
so you would know probably better than I, so I'll ask you. Why is it that we don't see, kind of like we see on Steam, where like when a new game launches, it'll usually be $50, because there's no physical attachments to it. But on console, you still see games launching at 60 digitally and physically at 60. There is because I think they can get away with it. Dude. Yeah, I was going to say, like I, I feel like it's just a really simple, like scummy answer, but I got to make sure I'm not missing something here. <laughs> No, there's uh, we've uh, like so. I will say that um, the one developer, uh, what was his name? Um, uh, shit, it wasn't Derek. Um, might have been the guy for Avalanche. Okay, it might have been the guy for Avalanche we had on the podcast. He did say that when you do digital, one of the issues, if I remember right, has to do with how your certification and patching is. Like everybody, oh, how did that go? It was like. If you do physical, the expectations are different than if you're digital, physical, or just digital. And I think it's like if it's just digital, Microsoft may move you up. You may pay more for support, mm-hmm. like for certification support. I could be wrong on that. There was something odd that had to do with digital that made me go, oh, maybe that makes sense that it costs 2 or $3 more. Not as much as we're paying, but, you know, 2 or $3, right. like, makes sense. Um, but I think other than that, dude, it's, 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 it's just a practice of they can, they, there's no, I mean, who's going to hold them accountable? Like, right? Cause Twitter. gamers are, are <laughs> Twitter, but gamers are already accustomed to paying 60. So it, they're more worried about micros and stuff. I think. So it's kind of like what I said about Pokemon earlier, where I was like, why would they charge 40 if they could, even if they'd yes. probably get away with 60. Okay. Yeah. And that sucks, man, because 30 bucks on the Switch, I'm not saying I won't, I don't know. I'm not saying I won't buy it, but I'm going to tell you, it's going to have to offer something that makes me want. So if it was 30 bucks and it ran amazing, Maddie, that would be different. But I don't have any confidence that I'm going to turn on a Resident Evil game on the Switch without it being a streaming game like 7, and it's going to run amazing. So I'm already paying attacks in performance. Not to be rude, but I am. Like... You're already paying a tax. You're already getting the version that's not going to run as well. It's probably going to have some issues with, you know, your performance and stuff like that. I, 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 I sort of wish it would have been a little bit more in line with pricing, but they just added ten bucks and said fuck it. Yeah, yeah, for real. It sucks. It's strange because apparently on PS4 you can get Resident Evil Four for fifteen dollars, and yeah, I, yeah. Do you, do you think this is also in part? to Resident Evil 2 remake success just past 4 million copies sold they're like alright Resident Evil high people are ready for more we're putting out mm. a system that's known for the second life let's get people their their, their fixes or, or more of that fix let's charge them more for it yeah they could have because you know obviously it would have been in development longer than they mm. announced it so right. maybe they were in development and then saw how well 2 did and they were like okay we know how well 2 did this is what we're going to price zero and four or four and whatever the other one mm-hmm. um it makes sense i think also though maddie i could it, from what i understand from talking to people about resident evil most people aside from me consider four to be the best resident evil by a by a, a substantial margin now whether I, that's just happens to be your and my fans but your people in your discord and my discord both were saying that like it's considered for whatever reason one of the best ones and i think that they also think they can get away with that too mm-hmm there, you know what I mean. So it's not only you're selling nostalgia, but you're selling nostalgia of a game that a lot of people liked. It's just, it's sort of, it is pretty scummy. But it's, it's them. I don't necessarily. I'm not too surprised. 
Yeah, man, it's just it's deflating because you you know I always I said this on a stream a couple of weeks ago. I was like, the strange thing about gaming is I think people get so uh, so frustrated because it kind of conflates what is one of the most fun things you can do with your spare time. That's just yeah. unapologetically good stuff versus you see some like obvious suits making shit decisions because they see the dollar symbols and they're yep. not people who play yep. games. Clear as day. Which you understand, like their purpose, why they're there. Like when you when you apply to that position for that company, yeah. they don't go. How many times have you beat Resident Evil Four and on what difficulty? Right? They're like, how can you make us the most money? What is best for our business? Who understands the market the best and and how to right. maximize profit? And so it's just this constant mismatch that will forever happen. I think because you're not always going to land a uh, a Phil Spencer who's like a head of Xbox. Who also, I'm not saying Phil Spencer makes every single call at Microsoft and Xbox, but point being is you're not going to get a guy like that who can help run a business properly, uh, but also lead the charge in, in some consumer-friendly ways. You know, you're just not going to see that in every single company, and it shows in situations like this where, obviously, Resident Evil 2 comes out, full remake, ground up, AAA prog, yeah, of course, $60 price tag makes sense. Uh, no one questions that, but when you see, like, a Resident Evil 4, um, you see... Probably Capcom looking at the sales, like I said, for two. All right, people want more Resident Evil. Make them pay for it this time. Nostalgia's a yeah. bitch, isn't it? And then, yeah, you either have a situation where I imagine a lot more people than uh, they're willing to admit will suck it up and go, you know what? All right, fuck it, I'm buying it. I want to play Resident Evil 4, and I don't want to wait. That's exactly that's exactly it. But also, it's um, w- when you look at this and you feel like how depressing it can be. It can also be amazing, but it is depressing because... You you see somebody like a Phil Spencer, and you're all, how long did it take him to get to where he is? Mm-hmm. Does it take does it take a maturity that doesn't show up until you've been in the industry for 20 years for you to embrace the lack of like you know almost like the lack. For example, if you've owned a PS4 for a long time, sometimes you see an Xbox and you're like, hmm, mm-hmm. or a PC, and you're like, hmm. It, you know, because you've been around that ecosystem for so long, you're like, is there a little something strange out there, as the term goes? So it, it's, I don't know, man. Like, it, it just seems odd to me how these guys get in charge, but at the same time, it doesn't. Like, it's sort of, it's, it, I don't want to think about it too much because it depresses me. <laughs> but it, 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 it's yeah, also it. Capcom, which I'm going to be honest, I don't think Capcom knows. I, I feel like Capcom doesn't know their ass from a fucking basket, man. Like, when it comes to numbers. <laughs> Dude, I... But really, I mean, they're the ones who tried to say the Resident Evil 7 didn't sell. They're, man, like, I was everything... See, I was waiting to see Resident Evil 2 disappoints Capcom. Yeah, Tales no shit, right? I'm waiting for it, because everyone's like, man, I, Resident I'd Evil 2 somebody's it. nuts if... It's... Yes. and But that's the thing. Like, you can't... You can't bank on Capcom, like, understanding that stuff. Like, and I'm not saying the people... So mm-hmm. the people don't think I'm attacking the people. I'm not even saying the people. I'm just saying it's almost like as a company, there's a disconnect. And we see that disconnect here in the pricing where somebody's like, this pricing is okay. And well, it's not really technically okay. Right. At least to me. It's interesting because Resident Evil 7 sold 5.1 million copies. And we have two, which just crossed four. I think, I don't know. I think it's a line just to be called disappointment to Capcom. If, if history suggests anything, uh, Capcom on Resident Evil 7 sales, sometimes it's not just about commercial performance. Hmm. Let's see. While we have shareholders to a piece, it's not just about commercial performance. Turn said. There's an artistic element that always comes in 
where we know this is the right way. And while if we compare Resident Evil 7 to 6, the absolute numbers are not the same in terms of profitability, it's completely fine. It ticked all of our boxes internally. It was really well received and in some respects gets some very good review score counts as much for Capcom as a game that sells millions and millions and millions. We'd prefer a game that got a 9 and sold less than a 6 but got but sold more. I thought it said 6 is a bust and sold more. I was like, wow. <laughs> uh, Wait. Yeah. Okay. That's, okay. Isn't I that see. like the polar opposite of what we were just talking? What the? That's the polar opposite of what they said originally. Ooh, so the... my assumption is is that it's that guy is not the same guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I was just or one was. That's why I was like, who yeah, the... yeah. That that doesn't even make any sense compared to what they what they said when seven came out. Also, I think you and I had this discussion on one other game too, where we were going one way. We heard something else, and when we investigated, we found out that it was like a completely different. It was like a completely different group, and we uh, like one was saying we're not happy, blah blah blah, and then the other sort of adjusted it later into a more, I guess, hmm. di- digestible form, and that's almost what feels like they're doing here. Where they're all no, nah, it was okay. Also, I think it's a line of bullshit that they'd rather have a, a nine that sells less. I'm just being honest. I yeah, don't. No, think, I, I I agree. I think as artists, I, you probably don't care, but if you're the guy who's like you know making money for the company, it's probably not the thing that thrills you the most. Well, not only that, Maddie, but it, it, he said a six, which, yes, I understand that right now a six is considered not great in the scheme of one to ten. Mm-hmm. A six is actually still, well, a D or a C, let's say. And I personally believe that a company, a lot of guys at a company would rather have a C sell really well than an A sell mediocre. And I think like, I know I, I, I don't know why he said that, because in the paragraph before, I think this is like the key bit. Uh, Capcom Europe COO Stuart Turner noted that while Resident Evil 7 sold less than 6, which is fucking insane at that point in time, um, this was actually, hold on, let me, yeah. let me just highlight when this was written. August 6, 2018. So pretty well after the fact. Uh, keep that in mind. So while 7 sold less than 6, it was just as profitable due to lower development costs and in the end its critical success Plus, it being the kind of game Capcom wanted to make made it worth all the while for the company anyway. So how crazy is that? It made just as much money as six, despite and it cost less. I mean, I know seven's a shorter game. So that's interesting because originally they said seven cost more because of VR development. Yeah, like I think some people are changing narratives. Yeah, it feels to me like it's it's one of those things where a little bit later somebody's like, "Oh no, man, we are okay with this," or or who they were talking to. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, no, that's that's not what they said originally. They definitely made it very clear that it cost more, and it was mm-hmm. a lot of it because they even were a part of Sony's like um, PS VR development where Sony paid them to be exclusive, and Capcom had stated that they didn't know if they could have done 7 without the money from Sony. Yeah. So that's they're full of shit. They also say we are less focused on day one sales these days too. We are looking much more at the long term, which I think, you know, we kind of expect with any company nowadays. Yeah. Uh and in that case Resident Evil 7 is performing amazingly even now after almost 2 years. It's still the VR flagship title. The game keeps selling sure. well. So do you cuz you mentioned VR and how maybe that up the cost. So do you think maybe I don't see you would you play well, maybe over time they maybe over time they've now made it and now they're above a certain amount. I was gonna say and, because do you think is the VR market big enough now to to make up that kind of 
difference, so to speak? P- PSVR, PSVR is as big as all other VRs combined. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, so option. and I think they're at I think they're at three million. Wow. And I'm gonna guarantee I'm gonna guarantee you that almost all of those three million probably have Resident Evil Seven because it is that good as a VR title. Yeah, it's the full so game, I, right? It's the full game. It's it's like Ace Combat. Except the full game, where Ace Combat was amazing, but it was just a couple missions. This is the full game in VR, mm-hmm. and it works well. It's a little mm-hmm. dark, but it works well. So, yeah, I have a feeling what's happened is it's a little like after you date somebody, and it was a bad time, and then a year later you look back on it, and you're like, eh. It was eh, pretty good. It was, eh, she, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so bad. She beat me, but that's okay. Because your yeah, life is I, good now. You're like, all right, I can admit it. Because your life it is good shitty. now. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you view it from a thousand yards because, dude, that's not what they said. That's not what yeah, they said. No. We, I, I remember distinctly, and we had news articles that we read where they were definitely not happy at the time with it. So that's mm-hmm. great that it's done well, though. That's I, I think that's I, I'm really excited that that's continued to Which, do well because I would yeah. love another VR game. Yeah, and I think that explains why they were so quick to start asking fans if they want to see a Resident Evil Three remake like two remake. I think because yeah, seven turned out in the long run to not be as disappointing as they initially imagined. Right. And then you do two, which now four million copies plus sold. They're like, okay, three could either do better or around the same. If it does around the same with the same investment cost as two, I think they'll stand to profit once more and make a, another solid product. Um, so, yeah, I think that all that all makes sense and, and explains why Resident Evil is really having a resurgence over at Capcom. Yeah, I mean, dude, wow. like what? two is... Two is fucking like what a success story. Like, I mean, I'm glad seven is, but two, surprisingly, it's just good a, remake. It's just the weirdest things because I googled Resident Evil Seven sales, right? And so let me just read you some of the headlines, and and, and oh. it'll explain to folks why Carrick and I are so hooked on this, and also why we're kind of <laughs> confused. Because first one is Resident Evil Seven is now Capcom's fifth best-selling game ever with five point one. This was April seventh, twenty eighteen. Scroll down a little bit. There was the article I just read from Capcom, uh, Stuart Turner, uh, August 6, 2018, about sometimes it's not just about the commercial success. April 9th, 2018, Resident Evil 7 sales lowest in main series since 1999. And then after that, IGN, Resident Evil 7, and this is April 9th as well, okay? Same fucking day. Resident Evil 7 passes uh, sales past 5 million units worldwide and then after that resident evil 7 is well below sales expectations it sounds like 10 people are talking and then what what the what in the mother of fuck april 6th so two three days holy shit three days before what three days before it was reported that they were not only the lowest in the main series as well as five million units worldwide sold it also says April 6th from comicbook.com Resident Evil 7 is now the fourth best-selling game in the series. There's so much contrasting data here. That just what? Yeah, I mean, that's why uh, that's why I was certainly confused because that's like obviously at one time they were saying <sighs> one thing, which is good. I it's good that it probably, you know, maybe maybe they weren't expecting it to sell as well as it did as quick as it did and it sort of caught up faster than the PR could keep, could keep up, mm-hmm. you know, pa- faster than their PR could describe, which is cool. 
I'm like I said, I'm really happy that they're doing well. It's just uh, it, it is a little confusing. Yeah, I mean, I think part that. of it's also because I just found from games industry, Resident Evil Seven gets 10 million sales target. So they did fall awfully short, five million. They're halfway there, but okay. but what's weird is they set such a lofty target with such a low investment. Seemingly, they're like, yeah, it cost cost more to make Resident Evil Six, which was trash in many ways. Um, very content rich though, which is why I understand how there was a lot of money spent on that product. But yeah, so there was a 10 million sales target. It turned out to be one of the best selling in the series. I guess they wanted it to be like the best because maybe they believed internally it was something special, but there wasn't this high investment. So I think what we learned from all this research is there is a difference between a company saying we missed a sales target versus this didn't make us as much money. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's ultimately it's wording and right? timing and timing and timing on the different comments. Obviously I think so because the comments stick around forever. Mm-hmm. So, Shout out you. to everyone who stayed this late. You just had a wild lesson. I think I, I find that fascinating personally. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, right? It's pretty crazy to sit through and just realize like how, especially how they can slowly change their mind, mm-hmm. you know, over like, and obviously like one statement after the other, just pop it out. Yeah. And... <laughs> a, a lot of it can for sure have to do with, you know, how, um, uh, who you talk to, too, for sure. Yeah. Like, I think that that definitely makes sense. Absolutely. Well, that... 10 million is, sorry, 10, 10 million is what you said? Yeah, 10 million was the initial target. They targeted 10, okay. This is, last thing, this no, is what confuses it. me. This is this is what came up last time. Okay. When they sold Resident Evil 7, there was only 800,000 PS4 PSVRs. So they Jesus. planned on selling 10 million copies to whom? Because if you ignore the VR section, which we know they paid, uh, that Sony was paid, uh, Sony paid to keep that exclusive. Right. right, 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 right. There was also about half as many PS4s. So I think what happened when we talked about this last is we looked at the percentage they would have to sell into on the PS4. So looking at your total allotted, mm. how many PS4s are out there, what do you sell into? A good it, it, Numbers can matter a lot if you only have 500,000 people with your console and you sell to 50%. You're like, dude, we sold a lot technically to the number of people we had available. Gotcha. But what's weird to me is who the fuck were they selling to? Because remember, PS, P, the PC version was delayed. Mm. So like, who were they? How were they? How were they thinking they were going to get 10 million <laughs> when... Like people none will of buy this consoles makes... for our game, yeah, maybe. maybe. Only thought yeah. I could have really. Yeah, because timing-wise, that doesn't make sense. And then, yeah, so man, a lot of consoles. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, dude. Yeah. Or because or ten million is an insane amount. Do you think maybe they saw other games around them and thought there's going to be a huge surge of consoles? X amount of people are going to own it yeah, this maybe. time. And, and and by then maybe we can sell up to ten million. I don't. Yeah, or maybe they. Sh- I mean, they didn't explain it, but maybe they should have also put a time on the ten million, like in three years. Mm. Okay, well that's that changes well everything. If you know, it versus when you and I, I think covered this, couldn't have been a year, maybe a year after right. that game got released. Because I'm pretty sure it was me constantly talking about VR. 
the VR version, and then we and then you and I were looking at it, and then Capcom, their Capcoms themselves are the ones who released the initial PR statement where they were unhappy. Yes, because because that was them. That wasn't like you or I were looking for data. They actually stated that themselves. Yes, I remember so, that. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I don't know who they were planning on selling the uh. others. Five million, right? This, this just solidifies our theory that they 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 have the worst projections in the entire industry. Worst, worst. I just don't even know how they even come about them, but it's it's amazing in a weird way. It really it's is certainly amazing. Well, that, that's got to be one of my favorite finishes to an episode of all time. <laughs> that was some fucking yeah, was wild awesome. ass ride. Carrick, thank you so much for joining me, and we yeah, hope you, sure. the listener, had a good time during episode one ninety two of the Ham Radio podcast, and you enjoyed that little jingle we had in the beginning. Pretty fun stuff. Expect that every time we do an episode. And other than that, we'll catch you guys in next week, episode 193. Peace out. Peace out.